one of the women who is now a client of mine, Lorraine Lanish, she hired me to do a strategy session with her to be like just another set of eyes and ears on her business. So the whole thing that that was designed for, she fit the model. So she brought, she hired me, brought me down to Florida. We got along like a house on fire. It was so much fun. Loved her. I had no idea this was 20, um, I think 20, I think 2016, if I remember correctly. I had no idea what influences were. Like the world was not, you know, now you can't swing a cat without hitting an influencer. <laughs> um, so, and I love influencers, like no shade on influencers. For the most part, I love them. Welcome to Wise and Wine, a play on the phrase, rise and shine. Now look here, folks, I've had five jobs in the last two years, and that shit just ain't normal. Or is it? No, no, it's not. So I'm turning to diverse people who inspire me both professionally and personally with careers that didn't exactly start at point A and end at point B. We'll explore how their families, their cultures, and their communities impacted their career decisions, as well as the exact moment they decided to pursue their passions, even if that passion wasn't a direct path to a pension or a 401k. Hopefully, I'll come away knowing how they became the badass, the confident, the strategic people that I admire. And if I don't come out of this project a little wiser, well, at least I'll enjoy the boozy wine ride. You guys, I am one very strong step closer to figuring out what I want to do with my life, and I have today's guest to thank for that. So I was first made aware of Joanna B. Voss because she was a presenter with the Nomadic Mat Network, and she was presenting on how to negotiate with brands and get paid your worth. In the last couple of months, as I've been building my little business and building a plan, and my content. I've been doing different trainings and different exercises and rolling and stuff just to get more information since this space is relatively new to me, at least on the professional level. And so a lot of times when you sign up for these things, it's really more of a teaser to get you to buy more of whatever that person is presenting. So since this session was free, there was a part of me that thought, okay, I'm not going to get anything real out of this. I'm going to listen to her talk and then probably have to buy 15 more sessions with her later. But I was very surprised that she provided really tangible information for the participants to take away from the meeting. She gave us scripts. She gave us tips on how to push back on brands. She gave us ideas about what even as a budding content creator, you should and could ask for from brands. So I I just was blown away to have tangible advice because that you know, speaks to my soul. Whenever you're hearing somebody, you want to hear their message, but you also want to have something to take away. I, I did like the Tony Robbins stuff doesn't work for me. Like I need something meaty that I can put my hooks in and go. So as I do, when I get curious about somebody, I started doing a bunch of research on her and listening to her on different podcasts and following her on Instagram and, and looking at her page and realized, wow, this woman by herself has built this empire of being a supporter and a a manager of talent for content creators, but not only of content creators, but specifically for women and women of color, which 
for her as a white presenting person is amazing. And so I wanted to hear how she got into that space, what made her target this group of creators, because as I follow creators on on TikTok and Instagram and different spaces, what I hear repeatedly, especially from people of color, is that they're offered a lot less money um, from brands in sponsorship deals and things like that than their counterparts. And so to have somebody recognize that and be fully focused on that um, in their career was somebody that I wanted to talk to. So she does have the exact windy career path that fits what I'm looking for that makes me feel like, oh, good. It's not just me. She also has some travel, which is amazing as I'm traveling. So I really connected her on those two things. But then as I watched her, which is absolutely lost on a podcast, she is like me where she talks with her whole body. She talks with her face. She talks with her eyes. She talks with her hands, her shoulders, the whole bit. So of course I could not get enough of her. And I think after listening to her, you'll understand why and can't get enough of her too. So without further ado, I present this week's guest, Joanna B. Voss. All right. Hi, Joanna. Welcome to Wise and Wine. What are you drinking today? Agua. Very <laughs> water. I live it's, in Colorado, so you got to stay hydrated. Yeah, that altitude will get you every single time. I think I... Um, I think I had a soccer tournament there once when I was in college and I'm like, oh, we got this, no problem. And I think we we ran for like a lap and we all died. So yes, it's, it's, oh, yeah, it's no joke. It's no joke. <laughs> all right. So uh, can you walk me through your career path, specifically the jump you made from politics to operations, to launching your own business and talent management? Yes. Um, so I worked in political campaigns for eight years, which I loved, loved. It was so much fun. Uh, I mean, it had its moments, but it was, (laughs) it was awesome. And did two presidential campaigns and everything in between, literally down to like teeny tiny New Hampshire town, city council, school board, practically the dog catcher, (laughs) cliche, but true. And so I did that for eight years out of college. And then I not intentionally, but ended up taking a decent break for travel. I ended up doing a bunch of just like kind of travel on my own after. So the last campaign I worked on was Hillary's first presidential race, 2007, 2008, to date myself. And after that, I just did some travel. And then I lived in Spain for six months. I had done a study abroad there in college, stayed in touch with the family. Just, I was like, I got to get out of here. And like pretty much it had eight years of like not really having a vacation. So I came back in the fall of 2009, the economy collapsed. I tried to find a job, met someone and then took off on a trip around the world, backpack around the world for a year. Nice. And then lived in Barcelona for my third time living in Spain for a year. And so that now puts us at like 2000 and 10, 2011 three to four years of travel. And I was ready to use my brain and contribute to the greater good of society. And I had saved a ton of money. I mean, I didn't work when I did my trip around the world. It's also like way cheaper to live outside the U.S. than it is to live in the U.S. And so I was working in Spain teaching English, but I like just 
honestly, like I needed money. I wanted to earn, I didn't need money, but I wanted to earn money and just use my head again. Um, and so that's when I officially launched my business, or I should say I officially became an entrepreneur as a nutrition coach, which was not my intention at all. I just honestly was like, I need to figure out some way like, I'm not going to get a job in Spain. Like digital remote, remote work was like not a thing the way it is now. Um, you know, if I live there now, I would just be pitching myself to like get an American job or a US-based job working in your own. I was like, that was not a thing in 2010, 2011. Right. Um, like didn't even have smartphones. Instagram didn't exist. You know, like that's, that's the crazy world we were living in. <laughs> and so I um, had took, taken this course to become a health coach became a nutrition coach, worked with women who were doing half marathons, marathons, and like longer distance bike riding, oh, which is basically people. what I was doing. Crazy people. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a lot of relatability there. And so I would just line up, go to my friend's apartment who had better, like more dependable Wi-Fi than me on Saturdays. And I would just line up all my clients and like, I would do my calls and that's how I started. Um, and it wasn't until I was a couple of years in where I was like, oh, I'm actually like an entrepreneur. Like it wasn't, I honestly was just like, I need to do something. And I just, it wasn't like, let's start a business. <laughs> and so I did that for, so it was 2011, that was January, 2011. Um, and so I did that for multiple years. And while I was doing that, I would have people different. I was in like a couple, I was in like one mastermind and was working with a business coach and was in the online space, which was nowhere near as like flooded with people and coaches and programs and certifications and masterminds as it is right now. And so, and I'm just very organized and like very project management. I think my brain has always been like that. And then working eight years in a campaign, like just solidified it because you have to be good at that. Right. <clears throat> and so uh, I would have people reach out and ask me for help. Like they were also, you know, doing online things, online services. And they would see me like create a course and launch a course or whatever, talk about something. And most people, when they get, when they launch their business, it's not to do the business side of it. It's to do the thing. Mm -hmm. Like artists want to paint. Therapists want to give therapy. Right. Um, a hairdresser wants to cut hair. Yep. You know, uh, someone on eBay just wants to sell their stuff. They don't want to deal with all the back end behind the scenes, like all of that, which I love doing like the operations and strategy side. I love doing that. Didn't even know it was a thing. And so people would just ask me for help. And I always said, yes, it was fun. It was a different part of my brain than nutrition coaching. And, you know, the first couple would be like, Hey, can you just like have your eyes on this thing and give us some feedback? And then it would become, Hey, can you help us for a day? Or like, can we hire you for this project launch, you know, for a week? And then it became, can you, you know, help us behind the scenes for three months? And they like, just kind of became bigger asks. I always got paid. I always said yes. And I loved it and I'm good at it. And it was definitely like something people, you know, business people needed and still need. And so there was a point in time I'd moved to Colorado at this point when I just, I remember exactly where I was like on the bus. Cause I just taken this job to like an hourly job. Cause I just moved here and I didn't know anyone. So I was like, well, I just need to like get out and know, get to know people. Right. And um, so I was like, oh, I'm actually like really enjoying that. It was financially, I was making more money at it. But if you'd met me, I was like, oh, I'm a nutrition coach. So one day I was like, oh, what if I just flip how I talk about this? I changed my website. 
was just like pulled it down, redid a different one. Um, I was still doing the same thing. Like it was still the same Z's, but I was like, what if I lead with this? Because it just seems to be like landing more. Right. Um, so I did that. And so that's when I moved into operations. And then I eventually wrapped up nutrition stuff and I was just doing operations and I had a bunch of clients on retainer and I was doing these like day and a half, two day strategy sessions, which I love. It was so much fun. And I love being just like the woman behind the scenes and stuff. And so one of the women who is now a client of mine, Lorraine Laddish, she hired me to do a strategy session with her to be like just another set of eyes and ears on her business. So the whole thing that that was designed for she fit the model. So she brought, she hired me, brought me down to Florida. We got along like a house on fire. It was so much fun. Loved her. I had no idea this was 20. Um, I think 20, I think 2016, if I remember correctly, I had no idea what influences were like the world was not, you know, now you can't swing a cat without hitting an influencer. <laughs> um, so, and I love influencers, like no shade on influencers for the most part. I love them. Um, and so I was just like, oh, this is like, what is this? You know, like it was just so different. And so there were two brands that reached out to her when I was down there, it was in Florida. And she's like, oh, pretend like you're my manager. So I'm like, okay, we just went over your rate. So I was just like, do, 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 do. and like, oh, it's rush fee. Cause you want it next week for Mother's Day. So like, that seems to be charging more. And it was like way more, it was like at least three times more money than she would have ever asked for. I think she's like, oh, I would have said 800. And I'm like, no, the Lorraine, we just did your rates. Like it was like, I don't know, 3,500, something, something way bigger, like definitely right. four figures. Right. Both of them said yes, without even like any pushback. So she, A, made her money back on me, like, and then some, and she was like, oh my God, how did you, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, that was so easy. Like, that was fun. So when I left, she asked me to be her business manager. I said, yes, didn't really know what it meant, but I was like, well, this is fun. And I don't know, I just like learning new stuff and I like figure stuff out and I've always been just able to figure things out and like, I'll make it work somehow, you know, and whatever. So I was still doing operations. So similar to the first chapter, if you'd met me, I was just talking about operations and strategy. And I was working with her on the side, didn't talk about it. Didn't really know how to talk about it, to be honest. And cause I like conceptually got it right. Like sports agent, like Julia Roberts has an agent, Lancome right. wants to work with her, like, okay. Um, and then I just, she just, would talk about me. And so I would get more referrals and mentions and people reaching out to me asking. And so that on the side part just kind of kept growing. And then a couple years into it, I was like, oh, I just, I like love this. It was just so fun and different. And like, you know, the other things I've done, like the nutrition coaching and operations, I loved it, but there was always like, well, what else? Right. Like, what else can I do to earn money? Or like, I've got time, I can use my brain more. And so I just thought, well, let me switch, which was a big switch because I had a bunch of retainer clients, which people think is like steady, dependable, which always isn't. If you're working with online entrepreneurs, like anyone can just cancel a contract, you know, they lose a contract. So you lose a contract. Um, and it's all commission. Like what I do now is all, all, all commission. And so I was like, oh, well, this just seems fun. Like if I'll figure it out, like I'll, I can always count on myself. So I just, um, decided to wrap up all my retainer clients and I just went like hundred percent with her or, or sorry with the influencer talent management um that was a couple years ago haven't looked back totally love it it's like exactly where I'm supposed to be like just what I'm supposed to be doing uh it's so much fun I'm like obsessed with my clients and um yeah I love it it's the best 
perfect. And it's so funny because a lot of what you said, and this is part of the reason why I reached out to you is because I'm like, yes, everything that, that I've heard you talk about, I, I like relate to. So I'm like, how did she get here? I just want to, I want to pick her brain and see how she got here. And part mm-hmm. of the reason too, is because I think about like my family, if I start telling them, oh, I'm doing a podcast, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> so um, looking back at your career, how do you think your choices were maybe influenced by your family? And, and is your current career something they even understand? <laughs> Um, not influenced by family other than they're just my biggest cheerleaders. And they're like, Joanna, you're doing great. We support you. Like, no, not influenced by family at all. Um, and do they understand what I'm doing? I honestly think that what I'm doing now is the easiest to explain to people because I'm like, okay, LeBron James, Gatorade wants to work. Gatorade wants a billboard with LeBron James. And people are like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. I'm like, so his agent is the one who coordinates like, where's the billboard going to be? How long is it going to be up for? How many pictures are you taking? And people are like, you can use an actor, you know, George Clooney wants to work with Nespresso or whatever. Um, People conceptually get that. So now it's just in a different medium. Like influencers are not new. Michael Jordan, Gatorade, like I grew up with that. Like he's been around forever. You know, Larry Bird, like there's a lot. There's a lot of mostly athletes that have been influencers. Um, and so I would, so yeah, I think it, this aspect of my business is probably the one that people can get the most, even though people are like, well, I don't understand influencers. Like, how does it work? How do you clients get paid? Like, what exactly do you do? Like, that's more of what the questions are, like the nuance of the, my day to day. But I think of all the things, like if I had to listen to them, explain what I do, this would be the chapter that they could probably do the best. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think about if, if I, if you, if I came home and I was working on a political campaign, like a big presidential political campaign, oh, yeah. I said, Oh, I'm going to switch to this thing. My parents would be like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, political campaign, like, no, I think, I think most of my family probably to this day still thinks I volunteer. And I'm like, no, no, there's, cause everyone thinks about it as like, Oh, you volunteer to knock on doors and you volunteer to make phone calls. Like there's actually people that are paid really good money. Once you get up the top and like you get through a couple of campaigns, to run those things. Like the consultants are so, oh my God, their payroll is huge. I mean, especially for like presidentials and, you know, high, um, you know, um, what's sort of looking for like seats that they want to, you know, that are like contested by both parties that maybe a party wants to flip. Like there's, we all see the millions of dollars that are spent on some of those races. Like there's so much money in that. So, but yeah, I think most people, most of my family, not my immediate family, but I'm pretty sure like a bunch of my aunts and uncles just probably thought I volunteered for like eight years. And I'm like, I don't know how you think I did that, but okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, through your business, the Joanna B. Voss Agency, you represent diverse female influencers and international brand partnerships. So what made you decide that this was a niche that you were uniquely talented to fill? Um, I didn't decide. It was decided for me. Like the agency, literally, you know, the story about Lorraine, she's Latina all my clients are women of color. I have represented a couple white women along the way, but not currently. And it was not, it was by default and now it's hundred percent by design. So like, I didn't, I was more just like, sure, I'll help you. Okay. That sounds fine. Like I'll just keep doing this other thing. And then a couple other people. And then like Jeanette Kaplum was my next client. And I was like, Oh, sure. I'll help you. I mean, I, I lucked out. Like I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so lucky that I, you know, there could have been some misses because I didn't really, I wasn't intentional about it. Um, 
there could have been like, you know, just clients were like, wasn't the right fit, but I just was so grateful that everyone who came in was amazing. Right. But yeah, it was like, and then I think my third client was Yvette Marquez of Muy Bueno Cooking. Um, so yeah, they, I kind of say like, they just, the agency built itself and it was by default and now it's by design that it's all women and all women of color. Perfect. And I see on TikTok, a lot of the creators talking about how there's an imbalance between kind of brands reaching out to them and kind of what they're offering to women of color versus some of the non-women of color um, in the influencer space. Are you seeing that at all on your side? And then how do you um, combat that as you're the person, you're the face essentially at the table negotiating those deals? Yeah, um, there is definitely a pay discrepancy between influencers of color and white women because it's mostly women in this space yeah 100 percent um it's funny i really have only ever worked i mean like i said i've had a couple clients that are not women of color but most of my clients there's one that i worked with a couple years and another that was like six months other than that it's been all women of color so like it's all i've ever known i didn't honestly for my ignorance, because I just didn't think about it. I'm very much just like, well, what are we doing? And like, what's the thing? And then, you know, I don't have blinders on, but I'm just like very focused on like my clients and what's happening. And it's not until a little bit later, like hearing other people's stories. And actually it's my clients telling me stories because it's not like the agencies say to me, oh, well, we have $10,000, but we only have 6,000 for Latinos. They do often say Hispanic market, versus general market, um, which is, a, you know, I'll, I'll give a rate, whatever, I'll be like, oh, it's $5,000. And I was like, oh, okay, well, um, we actually don't have general market budget. This is coming from Hispanic market, which means it's easily 30 to 40% less budget. So, but again, in the beginning, I didn't know. Cause I was just like, I didn't know. So I was like, okay. Um, I mostly know it because my clients have told me stories when they've been on campaigns of talking to other creators or in conversations in their communities where they're like, wait, how much did you get paid? Or something will get, you know, something will slip or come out. Um, so that's part of the reason I know a bunch of my clients have hired me because they knew they were getting screwed over. And, you know, just from not asking for more, not know, I mean, you know, how are you supposed to know what to ask for? Nobody knows. Right, right. Um, and also if you're just offered less, like it's, it's not the creator's fault. I'm not saying it's the creator's fault for asking for less. You just don't know, you don't know, but. Exactly. Um, white women are definitely paid more, offered more opportunities even, you know, in this space. Um, I forgot what the question was. No, no, you, you absolutely answered it. You're good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so how I discovered you initially was you made a presentation on the Nomadic Mat Network titled Brand Negotiation that I found beneficial because you gave tangible takeaways, including scripts for attendees to take. And in the current space where people tend to withhold information and stand behind the pay for pay, pay for play business model, how do you benefit from sharing information for free? Um, the whole industry is just better. Like I don't, I mean, you know, it helps the whole industry because people just don't know. So from where I sit in the conversation around you know, brand partners on one side, my clients and or any creator or talent on the other side, I'm this like neutral party in the middle. Um, so, you know, I have agencies tell me things about my clients or just influencers in general that they would never say or communicate. And then vice versa, you know, I can say and push back to brands and agencies. So 
it helps the whole industry if people know these things and we can all do better, like all, all parties. So, I mean, I don't benefit. I just know that it's like information people are thirsty for because where else, you know, where else are you going to learn this? And it's, there's no constant, but if, you know, like if you have this amount of followers, you get this pay this amount. Like there's no constant in that regard. So if I can give people some just basic questions, or I think at the end of the day, like, I think the biggest thing is telling people, letting them know it's okay to ask questions. You should be asking questions. <laughs> um, like, let's just start there. You know, here's some questions to ask. If you just ask these questions, like you'll be so much better off than just kind of blindly going into it and, and being clueless. Um, so yeah, I know I don't benefit personally, but I'm just, I truly just happy to help. And, um, I, like I said, I like being the person behind the person. So I'm like, if I can give you some information and then people will be like, oh my God, I love when people message me and say, Hey, I use your script or I said this, or, you know, a brand pushback on this. And I remember this one thing that you said, I'll literally have people message me something about that workshop from a year ago. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like I just, that gets me super excited because I'm happy for them because I know it translates to a better project, better scope of work, more pay, or they just like, you know, one small victory like that will then build another one. And maybe they talk about it with their girlfriend over coffee, who's not in the space, but then she's like, oh yeah, my boss is da da da. So like, I'm going to channel Jennifer and like, you know, have that conversation, the tougher conversation with my boss, because like, I'm sick of his shit or whatever. So um, yeah, I'm just happy to, I mean, it's cliche to be like, I'm so happy to help to a limit, <laughs> but having to share, you know, in situations like that, it's, it's, um, super powerful. You know, it's like a little bit just to help people unlock a better situation. Yeah. And I, and I absolutely loved it. I think there's so many presentations, you know, as I'm trying to build a business that there's so many presentations and trainings that I go to, but they don't offer tangible advice or it's like a lead into, oh, if you buy my whatever, then I can help you. So I just was so excited that yours was real tangible advice that I could take away. And it was scripts and you gave us stuff immediately for free. So I, I, yeah. as somebody that attended your presentation, super appreciated that you, you thank that you. Well, I'm very happy. I appreciate you were there. Um, yeah, honestly, there's so many programs out there. That's like not my jam. I just want to hundred percent focus on my clients. And anytime when I'm not doing something that's like with them, I'm just like, want to be offline and you know, <laughs> doing your own thing, doing my own thing. Yeah. I just, I'm, I, I refer people to a lot of other programs and they're looking to learn more. Like, where do I start? I'm like, okay, here's some, here's some things. Right. And I think the other thing about you that stuck out to me is I think you, you and it, it's going to get lost in the podcast. So hopefully people reach out in various forms and, and see how vibrant you are. And I was like, oh, there's somebody else that talks with their hands. It's not just me. I love oh, it. <laughs> I always felt like podcast. <laughs> Because I had so many people, you know, as I was going through my career being like, eh, that's not professional. And I'm like, but this is how I talk. And so to have somebody be successful that also does this. And I think the vibrancy and, and the passion and all of that I, I get from you, it's lost on a podcast. But if people want to find any of the YouTubes or stuff that you've done, it comes across and I appreciate it. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, just on that note, like I've talked with my hands my entire life. I'm very expressive. Like I have no poker face again, all lost on the podcast, but most of my clients are Latinas and the ones that are not Latinas are equally as passionate and excitable. Like there are no, um, there's no shrinking violence. Like we're all trying to talk over one another. And there's, you know, I become like the quietest person in the room because everyone else is 
talking and this and that and like oh my god and we switch between english and spanish so yeah no I'm, I'm in very good company with my clients i love them for that perfect well i imagine a good portion of your work is relationship building or probably 100 percent, but it's also got to be a good amount of slogging through and identifying bullshit so what are the three greatest skills you've developed that make you a success as an entrepreneur entrepreneur and talent manager being resilient. And I will say training from political campaigns serves me every day. And I actually use this example all the time with people because whatever you do, whatever business you start, because being an influencer is running your own business. So people just think, oh, I have a smartphone. I'll take some pictures. I got a lot of followers. I want to post them and get paid. No, it is a legit business. Like A, you do a marathon view and you got to be able to take no's because of, you know, most of my clients, Every year I run the numbers, they'll say yes to anywhere between like 12 to 20% of their partnerships, which means out of every 100 inquiries, 12 is a yes. If you do that, um, if you do that over a year, that's averaging one a month when you have like multiple others every month that you're saying no to. So, you know, on political campaigns, you want to have a house party, you're dialing a hundred phone numbers, 50 of them will answer. 25 of those people will maybe talk to you, right? There's 25 that immediately hang up. So you got 25 people that are like live wires. Of those 25 people, 12 of them maybe actually want to talk to you and give you their opinion and like have a conversation with you. Of those 12, half of them will like or less will like your clients. So now we're at six. You're inviting them to a house party or hey, come meet the candidate. You got three yeses, four yeses, one to two of them will show up out of a hundred phone calls, the math never lies right. ever, ever. It's the same thing in this business. So you have to be resilient and people who don't understand that and like get two no's or like, Oh my God, I had two, you know, I had two emails, two brand inquiries. And like, I can't believe they didn't want to pay me. And I'm like, okay. And like my clients are making multiple six figures. We get even more pay. Like there's so much stuff I have to wait through. Like it doesn't go away when you become more successful. Like you have to be resilient and not give up and just like every day wake up and be like okay there's no one in my newsletter or it's just my mom or my neighbor reading it or I have seven followers on Instagram like I'm still going to create content because we all started at zero um obviously everyone's growth is different so resiliency um yeah just being great at relationships like don't burn bridges be friendly especially in this industry and business especially now everyone's moving jobs Someone's leaving an agency, going to another one. This is before COVID. And now it's like exacerbated at how much people are moving around and changing jobs. And you got to be nice to someone's replacement and like read, have the whole conversation 12 times because they're just new. Um, so yeah, just being great at relationships and getting to know people, like asking questions and not just always be like pitching, pitching, pitching yourself, but just, hey, you work for an agency. Let me just get to know you instead of like word vomit all over you. Like why I'm the best client to work with Target. It's like, well, yeah, you and everybody, you know, like everyone wants a partnership with Target. Um, and then I think the third thing is humor. You got to just be able to like laugh and have a good time. You cannot take this seriously. This is not the end of the world. If anything happens in this space. Um, and there's just, honestly, there are some absurd things to laugh at. Like the questions I ask my clients from requests that come in, things people say to me, um, People confuse me for my clients all the time and just like write me these funny emails as if I'm my client. I'm like, no, you're writing to me. And they just like get confused. 
They swap my clients' names. Um, they will call like the deer intro might be something like one of my clients always gets deer Mexican, which is just funny. Um, yeah, like, and I know they don't mean it as actually like, oh, you're a Mexican. I think it's because their thing says like Mexican food on the Instagram. Oh no. So you're like, <laughs> you can just look like two lines down or like Google her, you know, Google her brand or like go to her website, like just do one extra step. But it's just funny to get an email that's like, dear Mexican, you oh know? My, how do you respond people, to that? You're like, is that an automatic people, no? Is that an automatic no? Like, hey, you clearly, you're not detail oriented. So we can't work. Oh yeah, right. I'm always like, hey, so I'm assuming you're reaching out about X client. You must've missed, I mean, I will be snarky back. Like I will be polite and respectful because I am responding on behalf of my client, but I'm not just going to give that person a pass. Um, I do think it's important to call out people's ignorance, especially around things like that and laziness. But yeah, I'll say, oh, I'm assuming... Or like Jessica of My Curly Adventure, she'll get like, hi, Curly. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm assuming you're calling, you're reaching out about my client, Jessica, you know, who is, you know, whatever, like you can find her name here or, or just whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just funny. So yeah, you just, you just gotta like be able to laugh, take it, not take it seriously. <laughs> so to that point, um, do you feel that the landscape of content creation is getting flooded and is there a time when we will reach the end of original ideas and limit the value of what's being created? No, um, I don't think we'll reach the end of ideas because you can say that about why are there new musicians, right? We get new musicians and like, you know, Dua Lipa a couple years ago, like her stuff's super popular. She's done really well. Imagine if she was like, oh gosh, all the fun dance poppy content's already been created. Like, <laughs> You know, right. so no, I don't, I th- no, no, there's so much creation. Um, I think it's such a beautiful thing about humans is like we can create and it, it sparks innovation and conversations and it's powerful and super important as part of our culture and society. Um, I mean, there's a lot of influencers. I think that there's also a lot of wannabe influencers going back to what I was saying before about people not understanding that this is a business. And um, for those that are making high five figures, multiple six figures, seven figures. Like it's not just, oh, I'm going to take a pretty picture and like look cute in front of my, you know, with my phone and then like send it in and it's easy peasy. It is work. It is, there's no difference between this and like starting a brick and mortar business and getting going and figuring out your brand and your voice and your content and your colors and like, what's your vibe and what are you all about and how do you serve and who do you serve? But I think because everyone has a smartphone and social media is like in our face, in all the ways that we just cannot escape it, there is, it is watered down how hard it is. And that takes away, I think some of the legitimacy of like, this is a true business. And, um, you know, most businesses fail within 18 months. And I would say there's probably a lot of truth to that. I mean, there's a ton of influencers and people who started small businesses during COVID who I see now are like two years later, Hey, we're closing up the shop. That was actually really hard work. (laughs) <laughs> and like surprise mis- yeah which is I mean good for them for like recognizing trying it regrouping trying something new but I think that's just exactly it is like it's hard and you really have to slog it out by yourself so um you know just just everyone having a smartphone in their hand it makes it seem very accessible right when I mean you can take all the pictures you want and post them on social just because you have 2 million 150,000 followers doesn't mean you have to monetize it 
you could just post for funsies, you know? But I think people are like, oh, I have a lot of following. I take cute pictures. I'm cute. I'm going to go be an influencer. And it's like, you can try, but <laughs> not everyone's going for it. There's a couple more steps than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So but I think you think ahead. like, oh, they can get from zero to 50 way quicker. And I'm like, no, you have to go through the same motions as everybody else. Right. Like, even if you're, you know, right? Oprah, before she became this amazing keynote speaker and thought leader. And even when she was Oprah, there's a difference from being a TV host and being a news reporter to standing and giving a keynote just because you think you have an amazing story. And maybe you do, but you need to like perfect it, the delivery audience interaction. Like just because you have a TV show doesn't mean you're automatically going to go get paid multiple five figures, six figures for a keynote. You still got to go shop it around at like the Lions Club, your local PTA, like maybe you take less practice because you get there quicker, but like you still need to practice it to be that $10,000, $50,000 speaker just because you have tons of thousands of followers doesn't mean you have your system down of like creating content and photography and editing and like organizing it all behind the scenes and writing your copy and getting it in on time and then doing the edits and posting. It's like, it's a lot. Yep. Absolutely. And I think because we see B, we don't see A, A.1, A.45 that I think it, for some oh, people yeah. it's like, oh, they posted and now they're famous. They make a million dollars. It's like, eh, there's a lot that yeah. happened between A and B. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 10 years to be an overnight success is 100% true. Right. Right. It's like, I, there's a couple people that I follow on social that I've been following for a while and their star is totally, you know, like, there is a reason the trajectory isn't flat. It is a bit of a hockey stick or maybe even a leveled out hockey stick, but it does get greater as you get up there, but it's only because you've already put in the work. It's quicker to get, you know, from like your first hundred to 200 followers. And then you start picking up steam as you get a little bit more. Um, like that's true just in like life things. And so there's a couple of these people that I follow who star is totally rising and it's great. And other people are like hopping on and be like, oh my gosh, this person's amazing. It's like, yeah, I remember following them when they were trying to make it all happen. And it's like, I'm so proud of them from afar. Cause I'm like, I get it. Like you've been busting your hump for years and like doing the grind and showing up and pitching yourself and pitching yourself and like, you know, responding to auditions and reading scripts and studying in videos and just getting rejected and rejected and rejected. And now it's like, you've got a Netflix special. You did a cameo on this. You were in a bit in a movie you sold out a tour. It's like, okay, okay. Like, it's so great to see. Cause it's like, I know how much work they've been putting in, but now everyone's like, Oh, this person just landed on the scene. It's like, <laughs> no, they haven't. <laughs> they've, been, they've been doing this for a minute. <laughs> so what has been your biggest challenge, both personally and professionally in your career? And are you able to balance the needs of your client with your own? I'll answer the second question first. Yes, I am super strict about boundaries and I'm really great about taking time away and saying, putting up an out of office message. Um, I actually have my parents coming to town next week. So the other day I messaged my clients just to say, hey, my parents are coming to town. You know, it's going to be over the holiday weekend. Um, so emails and stuff will be less, but I was like, just so you know, I'm not going to be I'm still checking email. I'm still available, but I'm not going to be like super responsive. Like I normally am. Um, and they all appreciate that. I know they're not all sitting behind their computer, like, you know, 
they're out living their lives and doing their thing. So, you know, just things like that, just being open about, I think for boundaries, the biggest thing is like communicating what they are. So people just know, and my clients know, like they'll message me and say, Hey, I'm sending you this. Like, I don't respond to texts or emails over the weekend. Um, I try not to at night. Obviously if something is necessary or if I'm just like in the zone and we're, or our clients in a different time zone and like it necessitates a early morning or late night phone call, of course, absolutely. But in general, like my emails, if I'm emailing late at night, get scheduled for the next morning. Um, so just communicating that and letting people know is really, I think the biggest thing about boundaries. I was never good at it. I'm always just like, oh yeah, what do you need? What do you need? I'm responsive and reactive by nature. So, I mean, I say this as a 43 year old woman who's been working for herself for like 11 years. It's been a long time coming. Definitely not something that like my younger self knew anything about. Right. And there's also that feeling of like, but what am I saying? I'm going to lose the, cl-. you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to lose the client. You're like, no, you're not. I'm just going to like deal with it tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I'm really, that really helps me and they get it. Like they don't want me burnt out. Like they're like, yeah, go skate, ski, like go for a bike ride, like go garden, go do whatever you need to do. Like this isn't crisis. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, because when I, when they do need me, like I am there, they know that. Um, and honestly, I can't do this if I'm constantly like, I need that in order to continue to, to be sustainable. Right. Like the more you do this, the more you're like, I need that rest. I need that white space. I need time to just like, like I'm a Pisces. I'm a dreamer. I'm creative. I'm a like thinker, thoughtful, like, you know, I'm always just like pondering something. And so I need that white space sometimes literally just to like sit at here or like lie on my sofa and just kind of like think about something or go for a walk, you know, um, exercise and movement is super important. So that's like a block that always gets put on the schedule and happens every day. Um, biggest challenge personally and professionally in my career is when I think when I ask that question, I think about, you know, as you're creating the space and as you're building your business, like maybe what was something that was unexpected hmm. that you go, oh, okay, maybe I wish if I, if I had known this earlier, it would yeah. have been easier on the front end. Totally. Okay. So I have an answer for that. The biggest challenge was at the very beginning, you know, you're starting out, like you're just trying to get it all to happen. Like forget saving money. You're just trying to like make some basic income. At least this is my scenario. And I, what I wish I had done differently and what I advise and counsel people to do is do not quit your day job. I had come back from traveling abroad when I had like moved back home. So now I had the nutrition coaching business and I was like, I'm going to make it go. I'm going to survive on this income and like make it work. And I couldn't, it, it, it takes a long time. It takes a while. Like Great, make five thousand in a month. Okay, take off twenty percent for taxes. Take off all your overhead. Like, it's, it it doesn't work out to be very much for your hours. Um, and so I was working at a grocery store, and I had another side gig that was hourly. That was like, okay, this is my rent money. This is my food money. I wasn't saving money. I wasn't paying myself salary. I wasn't investing in anything. Like, I did not contribute to my Roth IRA for multiple years. Um, and in hindsight, I wish I did have a job that I, so I did, it makes you just feel a little grippy and desperate. Like you have to close the deal. And then you're like, I got to make that work. And the energy is just different because you're like literally grippy and desperate about it. I remember hearing this 
from Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, amongst many other successful books. And she, I can't remember if it was like a podcast or I heard her speak once, but she said, so when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, I think she had maybe three jobs. She had multiple other jobs. And she made a promise to herself that she was not going to depend on her art to live. Mm. So she got up every morning and wrote an hour before work, got up an hour early, like she was living in New York, took the train in. And then every night she committed an hour every night to her, to her art, which was writing, which is writing. And she'd sold Eat, Pray, Love. Like it was a book bestseller. And it wasn't until she optioned the book rights for a movie that finally, I think either she or someone was like, okay, like I could quit those other, she was like, whatever she was doing. Mm -hmm because she was so committed to not putting the pressure on her writing to live. Right. And that has stuck with me. And I tell that story all the time. And I think very much to be true. Um, and I, I didn't do that. And it definitely was like even more stressful than it really needed to be. It's gonna be stressful, but I made it even more challenging. Um, I honestly don't know how I did it. Like I look back and I'm like, if I had to run the numbers, like that math doesn't math at all, but whatever, I'm here now. So it, I guess it all works out, but yeah, that is, not something I would advise people doing is like, I'm going to quit my job and like launch this business. It's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Right. <laughs> like drop down to four days a week and commit one day to this or whatever, but keep those salary checks coming. Yeah. Keep, keep the money coming in. Yeah. I actually, I saw her at um, the Texas conference for women. I don't know, maybe two, oh, yeah. two, three years ago. And I went, I went for work. They had given us, or I won a free ticket or whatever. And, but I went because Tracy Ellis Ross was speaking. And I was like, yay, Tracy Ellis Ross, Tracy Ellis Ross. I love her. And so I was really just kind of biding my time until Tracy spoke. Cause I really, I didn't read Eat, Pray, Love. And I knew it was big, but I was like, yeah, that's a white lady. You're not talking to me. Um, but when she got up and spoke, she has perfected the way you talked about when you're speaking, like not everybody can do it. Like she has perfected her delivery. She's perfected her story. And I was captivated. I almost got up and clapped and read the book after that. Um, Cause she was really compelling. And I think there's something about being able to tell your story your way. And maybe this is something that she crafted over several years that made it so impactful. So no, that that's, that's amazing advice. Thank you. Yeah. All right. My last question for you is if you could look 10 years into the future, what would you want to see to know that you've been successful? Lots of passport stamps <laughs> and just oodles and oodles of time with friends and family and like the things that actually matter. Perfect. See, everybody hates that question. I like that you were, oh, you, you were, you ready? You already had something. Oh my, that the was easy. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, you know, I, I, that has always been my jam. Like, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. It's like, oh, but it does buy plane tickets. Like it does. <laughs> Absolutely true. I like feeding my friends is one of my love languages and just like doing things for them. So, you know, got off that wagon, of course, over the past couple of years. So just like slowly figuring out how to bring that back in, in the ways that I can. Um, and yeah, it's like, it brings me so much joy. So, um, yeah, no passport stamps and just, an iPhone full of pictures with friends and family and clients, like having adventures here in Denver or elsewhere or wherever. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you, Joanna, for your time. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to you. Where can my four listeners find you? Oh, well, your four listeners, um, <laughs> along with my mom, because she would probably listen to the podcast as well. Hi, mom. Um, love you. Thanks for being so great and supporting me. Um, 
I always hang out on Instagram. So I am at Joanna Voss, J-O-H-A-N-N-A, Voss, like the water. And yeah, that's where I'm always hanging out. Um, happy if anyone has a question about rates or just something like super specific about a partnership or like an inquiry they got, um, you know, you're welcome to be specific with your question and like message me on Instagram. I'm happy to give a thing or take a look at something. And yeah. Thanks for having me. This was, these are some good questions. These are great questions. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the wise and wine podcast. Don't forget episodes come out every Tuesday, wherever you find podcasts. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. You can also find information about my guests on my Instagram page at Wise and Wine Podcast or send me an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns at wiseandwine at gmail.com. So I hope that our time today helps you pass the time on your commute, pass the time on the treadmill, or pass the time while you're working on those TPS reports. And hopefully you left this day a little wiser. Have a great day. Bye-bye.